Blog Talk Radio. All right, let's take us a songbook. Let's stand together and let's turn to number 34 and sing Living by Faith this morning. Living by Faith, number 34 in our songbook. I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm's sake, in his sheltering arm, I'm living by faith. And still no alarm. <coughs> no tempest may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life. Never alarmed at the overcast sky, the master looks on at the strife. Living by faith is Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all hearts faith, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. I know that he safely will carry me through, no matter what evil beside. Why should I then care, though the tempest may blow, if Jesus walks close to my side? Living by faith, if Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm's sake, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Amen. You know, it, it, you better have faith if you're going to live without alarm in this day and time. Boy, his alarm's going off everywhere, telling us that the Lord's coming soon. And any, I mean, you know, I, my daddy always used to say Ray Charles could see that, you know, and, and you know it, that's true. A blind man could see clearly. The troubles going on today are pointing to the Lord's coming. All one would have to do is listen and hear what's going on. And I and I tell you what, I'm thankful that I have my faith in my Savior. I'm thankful that my 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 destiny is sealed. I know where my eternal home is. And Amen. If you don't have that settled, you can't have no peace. You can't have, you can't live by faith unless you know for sure that your home is in heaven, and that's where you're headed. Amen. And I hope everybody in here knows that this morning. I hope everybody listening to us this morning knows that as well. But if not, before we leave here, I hope they know that for sure. All right, listen. Have we got any prayer requests this morning? It's been a while since we've gathered together because everybody's had this respiratory mess and and still got some with it. My my little girl still got it this morning. She's had a rough night last night, couldn't breathe all night. So y'all please pray for her. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody right close by that's sick that I know of. Scott, Scott is in the hospital again. He went back to the ER last night. And Brother Byron said they were trying to get him down to Tyler you know, where his doctor is. And y'all please pray with me that, that he can get down there where he can get some help. It just seems like it seems like he's just being put off and put off and put off. And he's got plenty of issues that need to be addressed right now. So please pray that God works all that out for Scott. Uh, anybody else in here this morning? Huh? Yeah, we'll lift her up in prayer. Anybody else this morning? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am, absolutely. I'm thankful that all y'all are here. Amen. I tell you, I was here Wednesday night, and it was mighty cold in here. Wasn't nobody here but me. And God, but God was here with me, amen. We had a good time, but I don't miss y'all being here. 
Any other prayer requests this morning? Surely we have some. Okay. All right. All right. Another unspoken. How many other unspokens we got? I got four or five of them. I ain't got enough hands for all of them. Pray for them. You got any? You have any prayer requests? Oh, I hope that my eyes are done on the 2nd of January. I got to check with them. All right. We'll, we'll pray about that. She'll really just feel good today. All right. We'll do. All right. Well, let's pray for everybody else that ain't here this morning. Pray that they'll get here. And, and uh, let's lift up all these requests. God knows what's in our heart before we ever open our mouth. But it, it's certainly good we acknowledge to, to other people that it's, there's something there even if we don't want to tell them everything about it. It's good to let others know i got a burden. Amen. So thank God. Let's carry these burdens to the throne of grace. Robert, lead us there. Amen. You can be seated. Do the tears flow down your cheeks and 
because he lives. Hey. Praise God. <coughs> I heard a song last week, and I sure liked it. And it reminded me of my own testimony. And uh, I said, well, if I can learn this before Sunday, I'm going to play it. So y'all pray for me. when we're not faithful. He's, he's, he doesn't change. Praise God. I'm going to preach to you this morning a message that God laid on my heart. Um, it's, it's right from where we've been. Same passages. Uh, you know, God sometimes will throw something at you you ain't expecting. And he did that to me this week. I, I've been uh, for a while now 
my 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 wife's aunt has been living there on our property, and uh, her grandchildren have had to been staying with her, and so my wife is taking them to school in Paris on her way to work, and drops one at pre-K at T.G. Givens and the other one at, at Aiken, and she takes and drops them off, and it's been my job to go pick them up at 2.30 and 3 o'clock and bring them back out there. So I've been doing that day after day. <clears throat> and uh, this week I was driving there, and, and I pulled up in the drive-thru of T.G. Givens a little early, and I was sitting there in the in the waiting line, and, and, I, and I've got my – my phone open and I'm watching a preacher by the name of Robert Breaker and he's preaching on Galatians chapter 3. I watch several preachers preach the same thing I'm going to preach on. I get, I learn things and, and pick up things and and uh, so I'm listening to him and, and right in the middle of listening to him, the Spirit of God just opened up verse 1 to me and showed me so many things in just a second or two time. And as soon as he did, I just almost melted inside and I said, Lord, I can't preach that like that. I make everybody mad. And the Lord said, it don't matter if you make them mad or not. Preach what I showed you. So I'm going to tell you before I start this morning, I might make everybody in here mad at me. And if I do, well, I can't help that. That's what God told me to preach. Okay? Uh, I may make you uncomfortable. And if we do, then maybe that's, you know, that's between you and God. Or you may say, well, you're just, that's just your opinion, preacher. Well, you need to take that up with God. I'm going to preach to you what God showed me to preach. And, uh, <clears throat> and it's some hard things. It's some hard things. Let's begin here. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. We're really going to focus on verse 1 this morning. And uh, and you pray for me because I want to preach. I want to preach to you what God has given me to preach. And I don't want to. I don't want to trim it. I want to give it exactly what God showed me to give you. And uh, Galatians 3, 1 through 3. The Bible says, "O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth?" before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the spirit of the works, uh, spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Father, thank you this morning for church. Thank you for these people that have come to hear the word of God. Father, I praise your name for your word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that opened my understanding and showed me some things this week. Lord God, what a heavy burden I have on my heart. Lord, I don't know if there's, if there's any way that I can frame the words to say everything that I thought, to express everything that I have considered. But Lord, I pray that you'll do what, what only you can do and you filter those thoughts out that don't need to be mentioned and you... You bring to my mind those that do. And, Lord, you put this message together. I know you're able to do greater than, greater than I could ever begin to think of doing. So I put myself in your hands. I put myself at your disposal. And, Lord, I ask you, please, to use me. Preach the word of God through me. Preach the truth through me. Show, Lord, your people exactly what, what, what you'd have me to say. And, Lord God, I pray the Spirit of God would give them the Spirit to be able to receive what they hear. Lord, I pray for those who are listening in. I realize I'm going to say some controversial things. I'm going to say some things that are probably going to hurt somebody and probably going to anger some. But, Lord God, I pray, Father, that you'll please, Lord, help them to receive it in the spirit that it's intended, in the spirit that it's delivered. And, Lord, I pray, Father, you'll use me this morning. Put your hand on me now. Lord, give me your, give me your spirit. Give me your power. And, Lord, I'll just give you all that i got. And, Lord, you use me for your glory now. And I, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that was the setup, wasn't it? Y'all are really ready now. What in the world is he going to say? Well, let's just look at verse 1 for a second. Now, y'all know the story because you've been coming week after week. Paul is writing to this church. Why? Because you got you got people that have come up from Jerusalem who have, who are now insisting that these Gentiles who have never been Jews their whole life They've never acted like Jews. They've never eaten like Jews. They've never followed Jewish customs. They've never observed Jewish holidays. They're coming in there saying, y'all got to be Jews before you can be saved. They're trying to add works to, the, to grace, and they're trying to nullify what Jesus did on the cross. <coughs> and Paul has heard about all this, and he writes them this letter, and he says to them in verse 1, 
Oh, foolish Galatians. That's strong language, y'all. Oh, foolish Galatians. He's called them fools, hasn't he? Do you remember what the Bible says back over in Psalms? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's what the Bible equates with a fool. It's somebody who's acting like God isn't even there, and so God is not even real. So that, that's, again, that's what, that's what the Bible is equating a fool with. And Paul is calling these, these Galatians, these churches in Galatia, he said, y'all are foolish. So you're acting like lost people. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That word there for fool, foolish, is, is there's several words. One of them kind of means moron, and another uh, kind of means something else. But this word that Paul used is kind of an obscure Greek word. It's onetos, which means you've got the ability to think, but your brain's not working. You have sense, but you're not using it. You know, when somebody's like that, you want to grab them. You just take them and go, what are you thinking? And that's what Paul is basically expressing here. What are you thinking? What's wrong with y'all? Y'all are living like a bunch of lost people. Now, notice what he says here. This language is so important. He said, who hath bewitched you? You know, when I read that, you know what I heard in my head? Y'all remember that? Bewitched. Think a big a you know? I used to watch that show when I was a kid. I mean, y'all did. Y'all didn't think nothing about it being evil, did you? But it was. It was about it was about a, a daughter of the witch of Endor. Remember what her mama's redhead mama's name was? Endora. You know what that's named after? The witch of Endor that Saul went to see to bring up Samuel to ask him the question. Named after something in the Bible. You know what God said? Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. God ain't for that stuff. All right. So Paul is saying to them. Somebody has done bewitch you. Well, what did that mean? Well, old poor Darren in the show, Darren was bewitched. He was under the spell of Samantha, his wife, who was a witch. And she had him under her spell. And even though he was living with a witch, a practicing witch, he couldn't see that it was wrong. He couldn't see there was anything bad. He tried to make the best of it. It's a perfect picture of the church and how we hold hands with the devil. I'm going to tell you this morning, God showed me this morning. I didn't want to see all he showed me in that drive. God opened my eyes to just how we are bewitched. And it makes me sick. And I, and I know y'all love to hear a nice soft Christmas message this morning, but I ain't got one. Matter of fact, I got the opposite. Bewitched means, listen here, it means to bring evil on one. By feigned praise, by fake praise, in other words, you you build somebody up, you get them caught up in, under your spell, you convince them that they are something they're not, so you have bewitched them, or by an evil eye, by putting some kind of a hex on them, some kind of a curse on them to charm. Y'all, y'all, y'all have heard of them snake charmers, where they sit there, play their little, little flute, and a snake, they charm the snake. And what are they doing? They get control of the snake. That's what it means to charm Okay, or to bewitch one. So we're talking about putting somebody under some kind of spell, getting them under some kind of delusion, 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 or some kind of a spell where they they do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. I, you know, the first verse that popped into my head was Matthew six, verse twenty through through twenty four, which says this. It says, "The light of the body is the eye." You know, they said the eyes are the window of the soul. It's kind of the same thing. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Well, who is the light of the world? Jesus, right? So if our eyes are on the Lord and we're living our life focused on God and his purpose for our life and we're listening to him and looking to him, then our body will be full of the light of God. Okay? That's one thing. But then it says in verse 23, but if thine eye be evil. Okay, well, if we're looking unto Jesus, our eye is full of light. But if we're looking somewhere else, where else is there to look? This world. That's, a, that's what else you have to look at besides the Lord. You have this world and everything in it. If thine eye be evil, if it's consumed with something else, thy whole body, thy whole body shall be full of darkness because it will consume you. Listen, either Jesus and his love floods your life and gives you purpose and meaning and and, and 
it floods you and controls you, or something else is going to. You know, the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. Now, why do we go astray? Because we're going to follow something. Because we're sheep. God said we're like sheep. We're going to follow something. So if we're not following Jesus, you can say, well, I don't follow nothing. Oh, yes, you do. You will. You'll be, you'll be seduced, you'll be deceived, and you'll be led astray, and you won't even realize it. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee. Now, how can it say the light that is in thee? Because people who don't follow the Lord still think they know what they're doing. They still think they've got it figured out. The people that don't follow God, they still think that they are getting information and knowledge, and boy, I'm doing just fine. If the light that's in me be darkness, how great is that darkness? You don't even know that you're in the dark. Why? Because you've been bewitched. You've been bewitched and you're chasing after, look up here, chasing after things that make you happy rather than what pleases the Lord. Do you know those people are chasing after what's filling that billfold up? That's what makes them happy, money, things, stuff, material things, physical things all the things of this world and not the things of God. In verse 24, that says, No man can serve, look up here, two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I know what you heard from your pastors down through the years, that means money. God and mammon. That means God and money. No, it don't mean money. It can mean money. But what you need to understand is that word mammon does not mean cash money. It means treasure. Treasure. Worldly treasure is something that you value greatly, that you would go to great lengths to get. Am I right? Amen. Follow me up here. Treasure is something you want with all your heart. Now, this is where God opened my eyes. I'm going to poke a few sacred cows this morning. And they probably won't move. But some of y'all may want to before I'm done. But I'm here to tell you, we got some sacred cows that we, that we treasure. We... we and, and, and believe me, I'm not here to make you mad, but it probably will. Because every year, Christians follow after this world and yoking with this world and doing things that God never sanctioned. Do you know? And, 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 and I'm saying, you know, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to call it my name because i got children in here. But, they, but listen, there's they people who, who follow after a fat man with a white beard. And he's talking about me. And they teach their children that that fat man is the one who brings them gifts and the one who watches them while they're sleeping and knows when they're awake and knows if they've been good or bad, so be good because he's watching all the time. And what are you telling? You're saying, I'm telling my kids that Santa Claus is God because only God knows when you're sleeping and when you're awake and if you've been bad or good. But yet Christians all over this country still perpetuates that lie which comes from pagan origins back in Germany. Old Slavic traditions of, 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 of good and evil based on pagan ideas that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus or Christ or anything. None of it does. I hate to break it to you, and I'm, I'm not trying to be boo-hoo, Chris, Chris, boo-hoo on Christmas, but if we want to get right down to it, most of what is known as Christmas today, it comes from Catholicism and paganism. And we cobble together some stuff and try to put Jesus with it and, and act like that. that's the way God designed it. But God never designed it that way. But you see, say, is there something wrong? Let's get together. Man, get each other together. No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. So when we try to say this is how God designed no, God never designed that. And we're holding hands with the world. You say, how are we holding hands with the world? We're just celebrating Jesus. Do you not see that the world loves this year, this time of year? The world loves all the trappings this time of year? It's a sacred cow. It's something. And you know what? We're tied, it's tied to our memories with our family, tied to childhood. And we don't want to tear loose from none of that because that's important to us. But what does it say about Jesus when we marry him together with pagan things? 
I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it. We get around we get around there to the time of the year when we got Easter money, some eggs and all those kinds of things. And, and believers, believers follow that stuff and do it. And they thought, oh, it's just for the kids. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. Well, it may be for the kids, but it's pagan. It comes from witchcraft. It comes from evil things. It does not promote the resurrection of Jesus to slay an egg and a bunny rabbit. It's sex fertility gods from paganism. But yet those things, church people, hold hands with it and love on it and, and accept it as if it's some god sanction. How do you think God feels about that? Tooth fairy. How many, how many Christians tell their children about tooth fairies? We act like these things are real. We tell our children lies. We're yoking with things that come from, from godless paganism, and yet we, we're okay with that. Who has bewitched you? Why do you hang on to things that, that, that are not godly or not of God? <clears throat> I remember when I was in Paris, I, I, I had a lady in my church. She's, she's, she's dead gone now, but she, she used to come to me. She'd say, I want you to come over and pray at my house. Okay. What you, what's wrong? I keep seeing these lights shooting through my house. They shoot right in front of me. I can't. I don't know what it is. There's something in my house. This woman's lost her mind. I'll go over and see what it is. So I, she took me on a tour through her house, and I, of course, I'm walking there praying, Lord, please keep her safe. She's in this room, blah, blah, blah. We walk through her house, and as I'm walking through the house, I notice all these figurines she's got everywhere. The little women with wings. Got little, little female angels all over her house. Walk into her other room. She's got a big picture on her wall of an Indian holding up a feather like this and a dream catcher. I told her, I said, there's your problem. you got false gods in your house. you got false gods and idols in your house. And God ain't pleased with this stuff. You need to get it out of your house. And he said, what are you talking about, preacher? There ain't a single female angel in the Word of God. Not a single one. Every angel in the Word of, in the Word of God is a male. You say, the Bible says we're not married. We don't, they're not keeping anything. No, but the Bible specifically says that they are male. Amen? There ain't a single female angel in the Bible. If you can find me one, I'll give you $1,000 cash tonight. It ain't there. But yet we buy into that idea. But the whole idea of halos, all that, all that stuff's garbage. All that stuff comes from somewhere other than the Bible. And yet we, 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 we'll follow along with it because we don't know no better. Do you know ignorance, is, ignorance of what God says is not... It's no excuse. We need to know what God says. Amen? There's too many people who, this day and time, they have been bewitched by the world and the things of the world, but they don't know it. And so they're okay with stuff that's wrong, and they'll continue to be okay with stuff that's wrong. And they say, well, I don't need to know. No, you need to know. God does not want you to go through life with your fingers in your ears going la, 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 and playing ignorant. God wants you to know what he said and know what he loves and what he hates so you can get on the side with him and not be bewitched. What happened in this church was they quit listening to what God said, and they started listening to what a bunch of people said, and so they got sucked into this nonsense. I'll give you another one. We look at the Disney Corporation. How many believers today are are allowing Disney into their children's lives? And I have to tell you, I fight it constantly 24-7. That is a sodomite, pedophile organization that promotes nothing but evil. It's been doing it for years. Way back yonder with Snow White and all that, and return to run from which mountain or all them shows, and everything's about enchantment and magic and all that. And how can a believer look at that and say, you know, that's okay for us. God is not for the occult. God is not for witches. There are no good witches and bad witches. It's all evil. It's all out of hell. It's all Satan. And God wants us to have nothing to do with it. You take the movie industry, for example. I'm just going to go down the list this morning. You go watch a movie. Let me tell you what that does. You say, ain't that wrong? I can go watch a movie. Ain't all that. Here's what happens. You go in and sit down in a movie, whether you're sitting in a movie theater or whether you're sitting in your living room, you're watching some kind of Hollywood movie, and there's a character in there, and it's a pretty good person. You know what? And you're rooting for that character. You're pulling for that person, and you want them to succeed. But you think along the way, that person has to make some shady choices in order to succeed. And you watch it, and you'll see you're sympathetic to them and they're doing wrong because, you know, they've got to in order to succeed. And so we okay sin on the screen with our mind and our heart as we watch these shows. We allow that. We're sympathetic to sin. Then you got people that love horror movies. They love to see disgusting horror. Why would any Christian ever want to be attracted to horror? I don't understand that. It's tied to the occult. It's tied to death. All of this junk. 
Hey, listen, uh, there's so much cultism in movies today. It's it's swirling with it. And then you've got the government showing you what they're going to do to you and trying to put fear into your hearts. All of that. Do you think God wants us to be caught up in that world? Do you think God wants us to have our hearts and minds full of anxiety? Do you think God wants us to go around doubting what he says? We're bewitching ourselves by loving on this world. And then you take the music industry. I, there's a lot of them I can talk about this morning, but I'm just going to hit the main ones. you got the music industry. In order for a person to be successful in the music industry, they've got to make a deal. They've got to sell, basically, give their soul to do whatever the devil wants them to do, to promote the devil's ideas, ideology, and, and they, they've got to sign a contract with them. You don't get to be popular unless you're completely controlled and they've got you and they've, and they've got you under the threat of all kinds of things and they, they're going to use you and, and, and turn your life upside down and get everything out of it and when you're done, if you ain't absolutely crazy uh, like you see so many of these pop stars do, they lose their minds. How come? Because they're run and controlled by the devil and his crowd. And yet we believers, well, I like that song. I like that music. I like that, I like that singer. I like this. We need to stay away from that junk. That, listen, the Bible tells us, it warns us against the world. But the music industry, again, it's, it's, it's full of Luciferian ideas. It's full of the occult. It's full of death. It's, it's sex-driven. It, it's ain't nothing in it that's any good anymore. If there was ever anything good in the music industry, it's gone. It's done. And that goes for the contemporary Christian music industry, which is full of the same people running the same show and putting out their music that does not preach the gospel but makes people feel good. I ain't got time to go off into that. Then we talk of social media. You know, social media. Well, what about it? Did y'all ever? Did y'all know that that social media is full of a cult language? You know, when you go online, they tell you to pick out an avatar. Did you know that word avatar comes from Hinduism? That's a cult terminology. Mediums and, and avatars and, and, and all that stuff. Besides all of the, the, uh, the garbage that's out there in social media and all of the symbolism that's out there that, that comes from the occult, something that I have found, and, and I believe, because I'm a pastor and I'm on the Internet and I'm on Facebook and I know a lot of people out there, I get people coming at me all week long with something off of TikTok or something off of Instagram that some stupid influencer has pulled something out of the Bible and said, this is a new thing. Ain't nobody ever heard this before right here. Everybody needs to know this or you won't go to heaven. And it makes people go, is true? Is this true? It casts out. You know, it's just like the devil is, is that serpent up in that tree saying, yeah, has God said that's what he's doing on the Internet today. He's doing a little 30-second sermonette putting enough doubt in somebody's mind to cause them to question what God's word has said. And I want to know, why weren't you in the Bible instead of on TikTok? Why weren't you in the Bible instead of on Instagram? If you're going to study something, get in the word of God. Don't go. I mean, I'll tell you right now, if, if I wanted something to eat, I'd go to the kitchen. I wouldn't go to the outhouse. Amen? Because the kitchen's where you get the food. I'm not going to go out to the outhouse skirt, skirt, trying to find something to eat. Amen? And, and, and when somebody goes looking for Bible on the Internet, that's what they're basically doing. You're searching for garbage. And, and you know, that's in the Bible. 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17 says, But shun, that means get away from, fame and vain babblings, empty, wrong, stupid, corrupt teachings. Why? For they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. A canker is an ulcer that corrupts, corrodes, and destroys. And you let that thing go unchecked, it will eat you alive. And when you put false teaching into you, it'll bewitch you. It'll pull you out of church. It'll pull you away from your Bible study. It'll pull you away from your prayer life, and it will destroy, corrupt, and corrode your Christian life. And then there's the television. <clears throat> the Word. Tell a vision. Think about that. That's casting a spell on you. They put on their things called programs because they program you with their visions that they tell on their channels. That's, you know, all that's, all that's witchcraft words. Did you know that? 
through the medium of television. Well, a medium, is, it's, that's a soothsayer. See, folks, we're drowning in occultism. We're drowning in paganism, and we can't see it because we have been, we have, we're like a frog in the pot of water. That's a, that's a, he's been turned up gradually, little by little, and we're boiling in this stuff, and we can't even tell that we're in it because we've been bewitched by it. God has opened my eyes and showed me that this world, this, this world full of believers has been bewitched, and we need to open our eyes and see what God is trying to show us. And you know the sad thing of it is, all these things that I'm showing you, all these things that I'm telling you about, every bit of that is reinforced down at the public schoolhouse. Every bit of this is reinforced. And so you send off your children to, to, to have the school tell, tell them that everything you've been teaching them is wrong. I know I bring an eight-year-old home from school every day. You, you wouldn't believe the conversations we have on the way home. She'll talk about something that goes contrary to the Bible, and I'll tell her what the Bible says. I'm going to ask my teacher. I said, well, you do. She's going to tell you to hush. You're crazy. But she's going to keep telling you a lie. You know, and I know that somebody's sitting here thinking this morning, you know, preacher, I'd rather not think about all the things you're talking about this morning. I'd rather not think about all that. But, you know, turning a blind eye to things that you've allowed in your life won't make it any less detrimental to you and the people that you influence. And somebody else is saying in their mind right now, you know what, if we listen to you, good grace, we wouldn't be able to do anything. And I know, that's probably what you're thinking. Well, do you think I want to get up here and preach this this morning? No, I'd rather preach something nice. But this is what God told me to preach. You know what, when you've been bewitched, doing things God's way seems difficult. Just ask Moses about that. Over in Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, listen to it. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. This is the children of Israel come out of Egypt, and now they're, in the pro- they're, they're on their way to the promised land. They're wandering around the desert. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taberah because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now listen here. <clears throat> Verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? The mixed multitude. These were the people, the hangers-on, who, who, who came from Egypt with them. They weren't necessarily Israelites. But they said, oh, no, please, y'all don't leave us here. And they went with them, and they got out there with them. These are not people who are necessarily dedicated to following the Lord. These are like people that you run around with and don't go to church with. And they fell a lust, and they said, hey, wait a minute. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm hungry, y'all. Who's going to give us flesh to eat? And I never, listen to what they said. We remember the fish. Boy, you remember that good fish we had? Oh, which we did eat in Egypt freely. Remember that Nile River was, it was just practically jumping in our nets in the Nile. Y'all remember how good it was back yonder? The cucumbers. Whoa, I can taste them now. And the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Oh, my stomach's getting hungry. Talking about all this good food. He said, but now our soul is dried away. And there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was this coriander seed, and the color thereof is the color of, of dillium. And people went about and gathered it and ground it into mills and beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Now, get this. They're in the desert. They're, they're, wandering, they're wandering through the wilderness. And God is providing them every day with manna that falls from heaven, and they go out and gather it, and they take it, and they make, they make bread out of it, bake them cakes and eat it, and it's, they don't save it over. They keep it. They don't keep it. It's fresh every day. They go out and gather it every day. And the taste of it's like fresh oil. God has saved them. God has delivered them out of the hand of the enemy. They have gotten salvation of the Lord brought out of there, and they're in a place where God has given them a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He is part of the Red Sea. He's 
giving them everything that they need, and they're out there in the middle of it, and you got a bunch of people who came with them, and they're complaining, saying, man, you remember back when we was over there, back yonder, when we, where, where we come from? Man, we had everything. We had everything. What are they doing? They're looking back to the world. They're looking back to what where it was when they were in bondage. They're looking back at those things. you got Christians. Hey, listen, they start trying to follow God. They say, oh, it's just so hard following God. It's so hard. God's so hard and strict and mean and everything. We just can't have no fun. We wish it was back like we used to. We used to hang out with that old crowd. And they start looking back, you see. And they said, you know, this old manna. That's all we got, this old manna. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the bread of heaven. Who's the bread of heaven? Jesus. Hey, it's not his word fresh every day. And the taste of it is a fresh oil. That's the Spirit of God. But you know what? People ain't got a taste for that when they got a taste for the world. And they'll turn their back on God's Word, lusting after the things of this world. They want it back. Look up here. They want it back in that yoke of bondage to get to do the things that they wanted to do. A yoke. They wanted back in a yoke. A yoke signifies some things. Look up here. A yoke signifies agreement. Can, can two walk together? I think three, three. Can two walk together except they be agreed? There's a reason God says don't put an ox and a donkey in there together. They'll fight each other. you got to have two just alike. they got to be walking together agreed. It, 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 it signifies agreement and submission. I will pull with you. We'll do this together. So, again, that's what a yoke signifies. Now, listen. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, Paul said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So do not submit yourself and get in agreement with ungodly people. What is he saying? Don't be bewitched. Don't be pulled off into something that you ought not be in. Because he says, What fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness? What do y'all got to fellowship about? What communion hath light and darkness? When the light shows up, the darkness leaves. When the darkness consumes everything, the light's gone. You can't, there's no getting along there. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Jesus and the devil ain't got nothing in common. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and I will be their people. And he says, wherefore, come out from among them. Come out. Wake up from your bewitchment and get up and get away from the devil. Come out from among them and be ye separate. You have to make a decision. I'm not going to walk with the devil like I used to. I'm not going to let him lead me astray. I'm not going to let him take me away from everything God has led me to. I'm not going to let him influence my children to walk with him. I'm going to come out from among them. And I, he said, and touch not the unclean thing. You see, if we're handling and playing with the unclean thing, it's going to make us unclean. And it's going to make everybody around us who had anything to do with us unclean. He says, touch not the unclean thing. Let me tell you what else it'll do. It'll keep you from having any fellowship with God. Because he said, he said, if you'll touch not the unclean thing, if you'll come out among them, I'll receive. But he's... <coughs> and he said, and I'll be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. When we submit to worldly thinking and worldly ways, we are submitting this new creature that God has created in Christ Jesus to be in an unequal yoke with sin. And God, look up here, God will not hang out with you there. That's the biggest lie the devil's telling people this day and time. You can do what you want to. God loves you. He's going to leave you. No, God's not going to leave you. God's not going to turn you over to the devil and go to hell. No, but you know what? He's not going to go down in that hole with you. God is not going to bless you. God is not going to fellowship with you. God is not going to hold your hand while you go off in sin. What's he going to do? He's going to hold his presence back and let you go until you realize he's not with you. Has he left you? No, but he's not going to join you. God's not going to bless what you do with You'll find yourself out of fellowship with God. And that is a miserable, 
lonely place to be. Like I said, God wants you to come to him, just like a parent wants their child when their child goes astray. When a child runs away from home, that child, that parent wants that child to come back and do right. And that's the way God is. He wants you to come back, and he wants you to, but God don't want you to come back so you can turn around and run out the door again. God wants you to come back clean. God wants you to repent of whatever is bewitching you and pulling you away from your walk with him. Because he loves you. He wants you to repent, which means to confess it and forsake it. If he ever loved you, he still loves you. But he wants you to come clean. First John two, fifteen through seventeen. Very familiar. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So, again, it's the problem is, is that too many people in this day and time in churches in America, especially I'm talking about Baptist churches, ones that believe the truth for sure. And I'm not saying every Baptist believes the truth because I know that ain't true. But there'd be, en- be plenty of Baptists in hell. There'd be enough to hold the biggest Bible conference ever was in hell, I promise you. Because I've known a lot of Baptists just as lost as they can be. But I- I'm here to tell you, God tells us, God tells us that we are not to love this world because we cannot love this world and love him too. A man cannot love his wife and love his girlfriend, too. A man cannot love God and love the devil, too. Amen. I guarantee you. Listen, God told us not to do it. God says, love not. Don't do it. Don't you let it pull you In order to love something, you've got to be attracted to it. In order to love something, you've got to care about it. You've got to want it to be good. You've got to want it to succeed. If you love something, and if you love this world, you will love the things of this world. And he says, listen, the lust of the flesh is something you better watch out for because it will bewitch you. The lust of the He said, what is the lust of the flesh? It's rebellion. Let me tell you what it is. It's my life, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and you ain't going to tell me not to. You ever heard anybody say that? I sure have. You just try to run everybody's life, preacher. You just try to make everybody where they can't do nothing, no fun. Can't have no fun. You just a you just a wet blanket, preacher. You just try to run everybody's fun. I'm trying to encourage you to live with God where you can know what the fulfillment of of, of a happy Christian life is. That's what I want. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see you blessed and smile from ear to ear because God's so real and so and moving so powerfully in your life that you just overwhelmed by his presence. That's what I'd like to hear rather than that I'm beat down because this world is kicking me all over the place. Well, that's going to happen if you're rebellious and doing what you want to do and living your life for you. I know some people say, the nerve of that preacher telling me that. Well, grow up. Somebody needs to tell you. Amen? Maybe that's the problem. Nobody ever told you. Well, I'm that guy. I'll tell you. I got no problem with it. Amen. There's the lust of the flesh, and God says you better watch out because that sucker right there will get you. And he says there's the lust of the eyes. <coughs> we live in a materialistic society, my friend. We live in a world where people are worried about getting stuff, stuff, stuff. We worry about having a pile of stuff when we die, but we don't worry about it. We're not concerned about the people that God wants us to love and bless along the way. They're just They're just stuck in our way on our way to material things. That's, that's, that's most people's frame of mind. That's not the way a Christian is supposed to live. A Christian is supposed to care about other people. A Christian is supposed to live his life to please God and to help and love his fellow man for God. Now, a, Christian, a Christian is supposed to be no different than that pipe that comes off that water meter that comes into this church. We are there to deliver 
the, word, the love of God, the word of God, the truth of God to other people. We're simply the vessel that it flows through. That's you and my. That's our purpose in this world. It's not for us to get all the stuff that we could have. If that water pipe filled itself with stuff, water wouldn't flow through it. And that's the reason some people are so clogged up with themselves and things and the bewitchments of this world that God cannot let the love of Jesus flow through you. And then there's the pride of life. Pride of life. Pride of life can be defined as anything that is of the world, meaning anything that leads to arrogance, to showiness, to pride in yourself or boasting. Look at all I've done. Look at all I've accomplished. Look at me. I've won this. I've accomplished. Look at all my stuff on the wall. You know, that's the way some people are, and they'll sit back behind their desk with all their accomplishments and look down their nose at you. Well, that's not the way God does things. John makes it clear that anything that produces the pride of life comes from a love of the world. In verse 15, in chapter 5, he said, And we know, look up here, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So you ever wonder if the whole world is wicked? God said it right there. The whole world lies in wickedness. And I and again I bring up Disney. But I just use them as an example. If we think we can get some things from Disney and it's okay, but other things are bad, we would touch that. Would you do the same thing? Would you would, would you would you go buy would you go buy some uh, something to eat from the drug dealer? Would you go down to the crack dealer's house? to buy some fresh-baked brownies? I don't think so. I don't think I'd fool with them people. So I don't think I'd go to sodomite pedophile evil people who are tied into all kinds of satanic organizations. I don't think I'd go to them to get things for my little precious child to put in their heart and mind. I wish to God I'd never watched it. I wish to God... My mother knew that stuff way back then, but you know, back then, it wasn't out in the open like it is now. But this is out in the open. We got no excuse. Second Timothy three twelve through fourteen. I'm almost done. Y'all just hang with me just a few minutes. Second Timothy three twelve through fourteen. It says, "Yea, and all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." And some people read that and they say, well, that right there tells me I don't know if I want to live godly because I'm going to suffer persecution. Well, I have something to tell you. I had rather suffer persecution from the world and walk with God than walk with this world and suffer God's chastisement. Because I can tell you this, I'd a whole lot rather God take up for me than this world take up for me. And you may be sitting here this morning and say, well, I don't know who this was to, preacher, but you weren't talking to me. Maybe you need to do a little meditating. Maybe you need to do a little praying. Maybe you need to say to God, what were you saying to me this morning? Are there some things that I have allowed into my life that has gotten me deceived? Am I going along with things to make people happy? instead of making you happy? Do you know if our purpose was to make God happy, we would probably make a lot of people in our life unhappy? Because in order to, to make God happy, we'd have to we'd have to delete some things that other people like. And we'd have to find a new way to connect with them. But let me tell you something. I had rather tell them I can't spend time with you because the things that we do don't please God and have them get mad at me than continue on having God upset with me every time I do the things that I shouldn't do. <coughs> and you may say, well, that ain't even what that verse was saying over there. Well, I'm not a Galatian and neither are you, but I can tell you this. You and I can act just as foolish as can be when we listen to this world and when we listen to the devil's crowd and when we listen to people, look up here, people that we love and care about who are deceived themselves. We follow them because we don't want to hurt them and we don't we don't stand for truth because we don't want to hurt our people in our life that we love so much. Well, the truth of it is, if we stand up for God and say, listen, 
here's what the Bible says, and I'm making this change in my life because I love my Savior and I want to honor and please Him. They need to understand that. If you come at them that way, God can use that as a testimony. Who hath bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? My friends, I tell you right now, this world may die and go to hell, but I sure want the people of Temple Baptist Church to know the truth. I want the people of Temple Baptist Church to examine themselves and, 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 and look at yourself. Be honest with yourself. Don't accept everything you see and hear in this world. This world is lying, lying, lying. Most everything you hear out of this world is a lie. But the Word of God won't ever deceive you. The Word of God won't ever mislead you. The Word of God won't ever take you astray. My friends, we need to wake up and realize that we have been deceived by the world. And we need to take a look at our life and see how the deception is still working. And when we get ourselves loose from that, then we can begin to walk with God in honesty and in truth and have the power of God in our life. Let's stand together. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.